Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. My name is Matt Warren. I am the editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com. With less than two weeks left until Bills training camp, we've got some more general questions again for you today before we really start to dive into our training camp review a week from today. As the Bills are heading to St. John Fisher College in Rochester, you can start leaving questions for that episode by calling us at 716-508-0405 or text that number. Leave us questions on Twitter at Rumblings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Instagram, Facebook, in the comments section at buffalorumblings.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Leave us your questions before training camp kicks off as to what you're looking at or what we're looking at and who you're watching in training camp, what questions you have heading into the 2019 season. Leave those questions now so we can answer them next week and as training camp kicks off in Western New York. This week's question I'm getting a lot has to do a lot with last week's question I'm getting a lot. Every time I go out, every time I see people or go to an event, people ask me, what do you think the Bills are going to do this year? And it always comes back to Josh Allen. So last week we talked about my answer to that question. What What do you think the Bills are going to do this year? Are they going to be exciting? Things like that. And we kind of skirted around the Josh Allen question. So this week it's, what do you think Josh Allen's going to do in 2019? Or some variant of that question. It's always, you know, so is Josh Allen going to take the next step this year? Is Josh Allen going to be the guy in 2019? All, I mean, they are all asking the same thing. They're all asking about Josh Allen and his future as the Bills quote-unquote franchise quarterback. Even if it's just specific to 2019, they want to know if this is the year that Josh Allen is going to arrive. And uh, whenever I talk about it, I always bring up Brian Dable. And folks always seem confused by that. But if you look around the NFL at the other quarterbacks who were taken high in the 2018 NFL draft, they're all dealing with offensive coordinator changes this year in their second year in the NFL. Baker Mayfield's uh, offensive coordinator was promoted to head coach, so he's got a new uh, offensive coordinator in town, even if the system is theoretically the same. Uh, Sam Darnold has a new head coach in Adam Gase, a new offensive coordinator. Everything is different for Sam Darnold going into his second season in the NFL. Josh Rosen was traded away from the Arizona Cardinals to the Miami Dolphins, so he's on his second team in two years. And even if he had stayed in Arizona, he would have been on his second offensive coordinator. Keep going down the list, and Lamar Jackson is on his second offensive coordinator as well. With Greg Roman being promoted, replacing Marty Morningweg. Now, I don't think that any of those moves were necessarily a bad decision. Um, Keeping Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland as the new head coach to have some continuity with Baker Mayfield, I think, was 
probably a smart move on their choice. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Freddie Kitchens other than kind of those press conference snippets we've seen, but you know, I, I don't really know a lot about his like play design, things like that. I think Greg Roman's going to be very good for uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, he's excellent at developing running games. So that could be a, an interesting wrinkle that they develop in Baltimore. Uh, I'd, I don't think very much of Adam Gase in New York. I didn't think of much of him in Miami either. So that kind of is, I, I just, I feel bad for Sam Darnold because the Jets are a dysfunctional organization and Adam Gase is not a very good coach, but that's okay. Cause I'm a Bills fan and I don't like the Jets. Uh, same goes down to Miami where we really don't know what's going to happen with the Miami Dolphins. They didn't seem you know, overly interested in adding Josh Rosen. They, waited and traded a later pick for him instead of trying to get him earlier. They, um, almost like an afterthought. And of course they have Ryan Fitzpatrick down there this year too. So that's kind of going to be at least another year till all that shakes out, I think. So just taking a look at those first round quarterbacks from last year, Josh Allen's the only one with stability at the offensive coordinator position. The bills certainly changed the offense around him, adding a ton of offensive line talent, a ton of pass catching talent. Um, even Frank Gore in the backfield behind him. But they gave him the mentors that he needed, which um, includes Mitch Morris in front of him, includes Brian Dable staying on for year two. Um, even Frank Gore behind him is going to help him out, adding veteran tight end Tyler Croft, adding just veterans all around the board, Cole Beasley, safety blankets in film room, safety blanket on the field. They just have done so much to kind of insulate him and try to take him to the next level. So the Bills have really done all they can right now to try and help Allen take that next step. Um, and especially when you compare him to the other rookie quarterbacks from 2018, he just has a better stability situation going into year two. He doesn't have to deal with Odell Beckham Jr. demanding the ball from him like Baker Mayfield will in Cleveland. He doesn't have to deal with all of the turnover and changes. So I keep coming back to Brian Dable when folks ask me about Josh Allen's second year. They've done everything that they can to make that transition from year one to year two better. Between the upgrades on the offensive line, having Mitch Morse in front of him to do line calls so he doesn't have to, just so many different changes. So do I think Josh Allen's going to be great in 2019? I have no way of knowing, but I know that they've set him up in what I think is the best possible way to be successful in 2019. And that's the question I'm getting a lot this week. This week's Twitter question of the week comes from Ron from New Mexico, who asks, why should taxpayers in New York pitch in money for a new Bills stadium? Well, it's obviously a complex issue. Uh, there's money from Erie County. There's money from potentially a different county, say Niagara County, where folks have been talking about putting a bill stadium for a long time near Niagara Falls. There's state from. Uh, there's money from the state of New York. There's a lot of places where the bills could find revenue outside of you know themselves to build a stadium. Um, your question comes from a place of not wanting the taxpayers to pay the money. And it's true that stadiums do not provide the economic benefit that they say that they're going to. And it has to do with the fact that, you know, if you're only talking about 
eight games, regular season games, and two preseason games at a facility, that's only 10 times a year it's going to be used. And so why are we putting, you know, say, $30 million a year into a facility that's not going to be used that much, plus the infrastructure upgrades if they're moving the stadium from Orchard Park, plus all of the extra money that goes into it, whether it's extra police officers on game day, or you know, there's just a lot of stuff that municipalities have to pay for for those for those stadiums and they're not going to see the economic benefit return to the area that's actually put into it that's been proven by multiple studies over the years but um ron's question going back to that was why should taxpayers in new york pitch in money for a new stadium and i think the best way to answer that question is it's the only nfl stadium in new york and that's not just a platitude right now talking about or trying to put down the Jets and Giants for playing in New Jersey. It really is the only stadium in New York State. And so if New York wants to be in the NFL game, if they want to get um, revenue from sales tax, if they want to keep that team, because um, I'm sure that there are some financial ramifications of that with just sales tax between selling uh, concessions, everything on down, getting uh, the income tax from it. All of that is important to New York State because they they want to have that revenue stream coming in. But it's also important, just ca- kind of looking at it from the outside, having a stadium in New York State, having a stadium in Buffalo is good for the state of New York's image. And without trying to get too political, we have seen the governor of New York, be concerned about his image from time to time, if I'm not mistaken. So image is not everything, Andre Agassi, but it is a, an important thing for New York State and Buffalo and the Western New York region. Um, and I think that's where the economic viability of the conversation comes in. If the Bills were to leave Western New York, if the Bills were to leave Buffalo, I think it would be a pretty large hit to the psyche of Western New York, more than necessarily the pocketbook of Western New York. It could be a really big blow to a city that's seemingly on the rise and you know, taking out what many consider to be the heart and soul of Western New York would be a really big impact. So if you're looking for reasons for New York State and Erie County and whoever to give money to the Buffalo Bills, and Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula to build a stadium. I think that the economic viability argument isn't necessarily the one you want to go with. It has to be the community-based argument of what would happen if this team left. I'm not saying it's a great argument. I'm just saying it's the argument you can make. Thanks for the question at Rumley's Q&A, Ron. We'll be right back after this quick break. Our next question coming in from Twitter at LA underscore rabbit one. Andrew Sanford asks rumblings Q and a, Do you think the Bills and NFL in general are doing enough on the health front given the ever-growing body of research showing long-term effects of concussions? Does it give you pause watching the NFL with this knowledge? 
It certainly makes me reevaluate how I watch the NFL. The big hits that I grew up watching, you know, we all were watching ESPN on Jacked Up and seeing those big hits, whether it's Don Beebe landing on his head and breaking his collarbone or Andre Reid making his money going over the middle, catching passes and taking shots. It, it was fun to watch those things when you were blissfully ignorant of what was happening to their bodies after they left the game. But as we grew up and as the NFL and the research grew up, it, it makes it a lot more difficult to celebrate the viciousness of some of the shots that we've seen over the years. So yeah, it does give me a little bit of pause watching the NFL now, going just with watching what goes through and happens all the time. Uh, I was just listening to the Eric Wood podcast where um, – He's talking about his career, and he didn't really have any neck stingers until his final season. And he was on with Nick Hartwick from the Chargers, San Diego Chargers, when Hartwick played for him. And he was talking about how he was getting hurt over and over and over again. And, and Wood was, of course, relaying his leg injuries and things like that. But, you know, it's, it's really difficult to hear them talk about that and to go through some of the rehab and the, and the pain and the surgeries and and even just like not just the big hits and the like Eric Wood shattering his leg, but you know just the everyday pain and, and soreness that these guys have to go through. It's hard to not hear their stories. Sorry, it's hard to hear their stories and not feel compassion and feel sympathy for them, and and feel that you're glorifying them, wrecking their bodies. Um, I will say that I do like some of the things that the NFL has instituted to get away from some of those things. Um, I'm not worried about them changing the kickoff rules and altering the game or, you know, blows to the head and defenseless receivers and all that. I'm, I'm fine with all of those changes that they've made. And um, I think most NFL fans are uh, the quarterback stuff can, can go a little bit far, but um but for the most part, I like the changes that they've made on the health front. Um, it's hard for me to say that they're not doing enough. I don't know what they're doing um, to further the, especially the concussion stuff. I know that the Bills practicing on grass fields. I know that you know the Bills building that brand new state-of-the-art training facility. All that stuff is to to help the players with all of those other things. But the concussions are going to keep happening unless or until something happens differently with the helmets and the headshots. And so I don't really know where that's progressing, but um, I think they're, the NFL certainly doesn't want their product to go away because of head injuries. And so the NFL would be smart to be tackling this head on, no pun intended, tackling this head on and, and taking care of the concussion situation before it gets out of control. It's a really great question, and I try to read up on the concussion research as much as I can to see where the NFL is moving uh, in an effort to to curb those long-term effects. Thanks for your question, Andrew. At Rumblings Q&A. Before we get into our next question, I wanted to give a little bit of love to the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. We went over 100,000 downloads this year, this past week, and it's easy to see why. When you go back through the list of the last few episodes on the feed, the Breaking Buffalo Rumblings episode with 
who are the top five players that can lead the Bills to success in 2019 was a good conversation starter. Nick and Nolan doing the masterclass was brilliant. It was a great episode. Um, I really encourage you to download that one if you haven't done that yet. The Blitz Bills podcast tackled the running back conundrum and which running back is going to be on the outside looking in after the 2019 training camp and preseason. That was a great listen as well even though for some reason they didn't have the Blitz bartender on this week's episode. So that was odd. Um, And then even before my last episode a week ago, we have the Circling the Wagons podcast where um, Jeff Kontrowski, one of our writers at buffalorumlings.com, really talks about how he breaks down Bill's tape and Josh Allen and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's a, a really good time to go back and listen to some of those episodes before training camp kicks off if you haven't done that yet. Even uh, John Boccasino over at Believe taking a look at what the worst case scenarios could be for the Bills in 2019, it's worth a listen. So make sure you're listening to all the podcasts on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. You can find them all on your, your favorite podcast app. Back to Twitter for our next question at Furrow Sterling asks us, so for Robert Foster, 700 yards receiving, over or under? Figure this out, Bills fans. Who is the last Bills receiver to go over 700 yards in a single year? I'll give you the player at the end of this answer. Well, Sterling, you're probably not going to like my answer. I am of the belief that Robert Foster is probably at his best as a a fourth receiver on this team. He was able to play 90% plus of the snaps over the last several weeks of the 2018 NFL season. But I don't know if that's necessarily because the coaching staff loved him that much. I think it has to do way more with the fact that they just didn't have a whole lot of other folks that could catch the ball. They got rid of Charles Clay. They completely revamped their wide receiver depth chart. So it's, I I think he was more the number one target for a while, just out of necessity versus actual desire to have him be the number one target Uh, with John Brown, Cole Beasley and Zay Jones. I think he might be at his best as the fourth wide receiver running his limited route tree and developing that ability to get open a little bit. Now the bills did run a little bit more four wide receiver sets uh, to give Josh Allen more options as the season wore on. So that doesn't mean he's not going to get a lot of playing time, but I don't necessarily see him in the top, say one or two receivers. I don't think he's going to go from undrafted free agent cut during the 2018 season to being the number one receiver on a team during 2019. I just don't see that happening. So let's look at it a little bit more realistically to get to 700 yards receiving he would have to average about 44 yards per game. He was able to hit that number one, two, three, four, five times over the last seven games of the season. So that's promising. But he also did that fighting Isaiah McKenzie and Ray Ray McLeod and, I don't know, a tackling dummy as the Bills' wide receivers of choice. So... If he doesn't quite get the 90% plus of snap counts that he was able to get over those last five, six games, it's going to be a lot more difficult for him to get 
you know, the targets he needs to get up there. So you have to go all the way back to 2015 when Sammy Watkins got 96 targets to make 60 receptions to hop over a thousand yards. He's the last Bills receiver to top 700 yards in a single season. The quarterback that year was Tyrod Taylor. Best season of his career, going over 3,000 yards passing. E.J. Manuel had 500 yards passing. The Bills threw the ball 500 times last year, and Zay Jones had 102 targets, but they just weren't able to connect on enough and enough at the yards per reception that they needed. Jones finished at 650 receiving yards in 2018 to lead the Bills. I guess that's my really long way of saying that you should bet the under on the 700 receiving yards for Robert Foster. And I don't think it's even close. That's it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Please, please, please get your questions in for next week's episode, 716-508-0405. You can call or text that number and leave a voicemail. You can send us messages on Twitter using at Rumblings Q&A, Instagram, Facebook. You can leave comments in the comment section at buffalorumblings.com. We will be all over training camp. We've got uh, Sean Murphy heading to training camp to cover a couple days. And of course, we'll have you covered at buffalorumlinks.com with all your recaps and roundups. Go Bills.